Okay, good evening and welcome to the May 17th, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he is joined by Commissioner Alex Lumberg and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Vice President Lopez and Commissioner Trisvina are absent this evening. Also present is Deputy City Attorney Jen Huber who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Corey Teague, the zoning administrator, Tina Tam, the deputy zoning administrator, and Kate Connor, housing implementation program manager. All three are with the planning department. And we also have Matthew Green, chief building inspector with the department building inspection. Now the board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Time may be limited to two minutes if the agenda is long or if there are a large number of speakers. For cases that have previously been heard, the parties are given three minutes each with no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person, two, via Zoom. Go to our website, click on hearings, and then click on the Zoom link. Or three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 853-7812-5804. Again, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star six seven, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star nine, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You'll be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You will have three minutes, depending on the length of the agenda and the volume of speakers. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it's very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there's interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, <coughs> You can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we will take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. <clears throat> now we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you've been sworn in or affirmed. <coughs> do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? 
Okay, thank you. If you, if you are a participant and not, not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So commissioners, we do have one housekeeping item, um, item number four, that's appeal number 23-007, subject property 1468 Van Dyke Avenue. The parties have agreed to have this matter continued to May 31st, and the reason for that is the board had been contemplating adopting revised plans, and since we don't have four members, uh, we thought it was in the best interest to continue the matter to May 31st, so we would need uh, a motion and a vote on that. Uh, I'll make a motion. Sorry. It's okay. Okay. Is there any public comment on the motion to continue this item? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comment. So on that motion, Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. Okay. So that motion carries three to zero, and that matter is continued <clears throat> to May 31st. So uh, we are now moving on to item number one, which is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who would like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak on an item that is not on tonight's agenda? Please raise your hand in Zoom. Okay, I don't see any public comments, so we are going to move on to item number two, commissioner comments and questions. Commissioners, any uh, comments or Questions or otherwise? All right, none. We'll move on. Okay, so we will move on to item number three the adoption of the minutes. Commissioners before you for discussion and possible adoption are the minutes of the May 10th, 2023 meeting. And Commissioner Trisvenia reached out to me before the hearing. And for item number five, the special item related to appeal numbers 22 076 and 22 077 at 146 23rd Avenue. He would like to include President Swig's comments made to Chief Inspector Matthew Green. More specifically, that President Swig would like this matter reviewed by the Director of DBI to ensure that the work was done properly and the appellant's concerns were resolved. So we would need a motion to adopt as amended by Commissioner Trezvina. I move to adopt the minutes as amended by Commissioner Trezvina. Okay, is there any public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comment. So on that motion, Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries three to zero and the minutes are adopted as amended. So we are now moving on to item number five. This is appeal number 23-015, James Lipset versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, subject property 2507 Pacific Avenue. Appealing the issuance on March 15, 2023 to Jamie Weinstein, of an alteration permit, remove existing non-complying fire escape. This is permit number 2023-0314-3618, and we'll hear from the appellants first. Welcome, you have seven minutes. Thank you, good evening commissioners. My name is James Lipset, and I'm one of the owners of 2509 Pacific Avenue. I filed this appeal on behalf of my family because we oppose the removal of the fire escape as it serves as an additional means of egress from our house. My grandfather purchased the property in the 1950s and passed it on to its current owners upon his death in 1997, after which my father and I moved in. Neither my father nor I have any recollection of the fire, excuse me, nor I can remember a time without the fire escape. Currently in the house are my wife, two boys, four and seven years old, our au pair, and my father who stays on the top floor where the fire escape is connected while the rest of us are on the floor below, which, the fire, which is where the fire escape is located with the drop ladder. The top floor only has one staircase in the back of the house. In the 1990s, <clears throat> a fire occurred in the kitchen when a toaster oven caught fire. 
The smoke traveled up the rear stairs and the smoke alarm alerted the occupant that something was wrong. Seeing the smoke, he immediately used the fire escape to evacuate the property from the top floor. Upon reaching the ground, he re-entered the house and put the fire out with a fire extinguisher before the fire department could arrive. Even such a small fire made it unsafe to use the rear stairs, and had it not been for the fire escape, he would have been trapped or had to run into smoke to escape. This could have allowed the fire to spread, and instead of being contained to the kitchen, could have potentially spread through the house before the fire department could have contained it. Prior to the Weinstein's council reaching out to us, we had very little contact with them, just an occasional wave when we saw them on the street or a brief email from them generally asking something of us. I honestly had a much better relationship with our housekeeper as we would say good morning and ask how she was doing when we'd see her. In January 2023, Mr. Williams reached out to us regarding what we interpreted as a demand to pay for half of an estimated offense estimated to cost $21,000, which upon our request for a proper quote, the cost increased to almost $113,000 and the materials were changed from redwood slats and pickets to metal and demanded the fire escape be removed, which we have stated repeatedly, we object to as it is a life safety issue. In February, as the Weinsteins appeared unwilling to compromise in any way, as our suggestions were dismissed or ignored, and I felt Mr. Williams' emails were simply making the same demands, we retained our current counsel to handle the situation. In March, without notifying us or our counsel, the permit for removal of the fire escape was submitted to the city and approved. We have always and continue to be willing to come to a resolution with the Weinsteins and only wish they had approached us directly to discuss their concerns and plans so we could have come to a resolution. We feel that the removal of the fire escape because of someone's personal aesthetics, they called it unsightly, should not supersede the life safety benefit to not only our family, but also to the Weinsteins and we oppose its removal. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Laura Strazzo. I'm counsel for appellant and his family. Uh, so just to give you a little bit of context, um, there are two properties. The permit holder's property is on the left and our client's property is on the right. This is what the fire escape looks like. As you can see, it clearly crosses the property line and is connected to both properties. That's not in dispute. Uh, the picture on the right is a, kind of a top view of the fire escape. Uh, it's actually painted uh, the same color as permit holder's house, so it was painted to match their property. Um, and so there's been a lot of talk in the briefs about the fire escape. Um, it actually was subject to a permit in 1964. It's a little unclear if there was an earlier permit, um, but at least in 1964, there was a permit for the drop ladder. Uh, the fire escape was approved by the city and there's a certificate of final completion and occupancy. Uh, in fact, the permit holders actually made a complaint to DBI earlier in February uh, about the fire escape and DBI confirmed there's no violation and the fire escape complies with the code and closed the complaint. Uh, the permit holders actually had the fire escape inspected in April of this year and the parts that were inspected include the drop ladder, uh, the path of egress, as well as the systems that were all inspected and passed inspection. Um, permit holders mentioned in their briefs that somehow only half the fire escape was inspected that's not what the certificate says. It also doesn't make a lot of sense uh, given what was inspected. So I don't think that's actually correct. They put the sticker on the fire escape. Uh, I believe it was fully inspected at that time. Uh, 
Um, and so we're here today to talk about the permit to remove the fire escape. Um, and as my client said, they did have some discussions with the permit holders to try to find a resolution. They weren't able to come to a resolution, so the permit holders on their own decided that they would apply for a permit to remove the fire escape. There's no dispute the fire escape crosses the property line and it's affixed to both properties. Um, the building code requires two permits for two properties. That's building code section 106.8.1. That was not done in this case. There's only a permit for their property. And the plans submitted clearly show that the intent is to remove the fire escape. Um, that's the picture on the right and also uh, in the briefing. Sort of surprising to the appellants that permit holders have changed their position on what the permit is actually doing. Um, they now appear to say that the proposal is just to unbolt the fire escape from their side and leave it kind of dangling in between the properties. Um, that's not what the permit application clearly says. It's to remove the fire escape. It also would create a hazardous condition uh, on the property, so it's a little bit unclear why DBI would allow that and final a permit to create a hazardous condition. Um, that also violates several sections of the building code, including 106A.3.11 and 106A.4.1. Um, with the little bit time that I have remaining, I just wanted to respond to a few of the arguments that came up in the brief. Um, again, the fire escape is permitted and has a CFC. Whether or not there's an earlier permit or seconds. not, uh, you know, it was permitted and inspected in 1964. Again, in 2023, it was inspected and found to be fully operational. Um, it has been used for emergency egress, and as my client said, it's an important means of egress for them and their family. Um, and there's no evidence that it violates the planning code or the building code. The code section cited in the brief don't seem to apply at all, um, and we can you know, talk about that more in rebuttal as well. Thank you. Thank you. We have questions from Commissioner Lemberg and President Swig. Thank you so much. Um, I, I noted in the permit holders brief that they, um, at least their position is that uh, the 1964 permit that both parties attached to their briefing uh, states that, uh, basically their position is that it was only a new drop ladder on the fire escape. Uh, and that there was an earlier potential permit or not permit, we're not sure, and it sounds like neither party is sure about uh, that second part. My question is, uh, because I did notice that Mr. Lipset's father was the name on the 1964 permit, was there a fire escape present before that 1964 permit? Um, Do you wanna come up and address that? Yes. Um, Could approach the microphone too, sir. Mr. Lipset, thank you. Thank you. I can't say. I, I assume there was. My father had a major remodel of the house, which was purchased in the uh, mid-1950s. Um, it was in some repair, disrepair. I remember being in the house uh, I unfortunately was maybe nine or ten when we started. I don't ever remember the fire escape not being there, but I certainly don't know when it was originally built. 
it seems to me that it would have been installed during the remodel prior to 1965. The house was finished right around 1960. Great. Thank you. On the so remodel. Much. Thank you. Uh, is there any written record of an easement of any kind, either re registered with the city or hidden in somebody's file that has suddenly been resurrected? Uh, we haven't found evidence of one, um, but there okay. hasn't been an easement. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank second, you. Second question. Sure. Um, how many, if this fire escape were to, um, is there an alternative uh, place to put this fire escape um, uh, serving the same portion of the house? Um, that, that would create uh, a, another means of exit from the house? We don't know. Has that been researched? Um, there are some issues with the fire code because now there's going to, they've built a fence underneath it, so I don't know what is could there be another, built. Is there another portion of the house that can handle a fire escape as claimed in the, in the brief by the uh, permit holder? I don't know. Okay, thank you. I'll ask them and I'll ask. Uh, uh, are you, are you done? Yeah. Uh, sorry, one more question. Um, just to help me get a better picture of this. So uh, obviously the, the neighbors are the ones who obtained this permit that's at issue today. Um, but is, is the fire escape currently accessible from both properties? Or uh, who, is there a, a clear sense of whose property this is actually, the, the fire escape is actually on? Sure, the fire escape is connected and accessible to both properties. About 12 years ago, um, a contractor as part of a remodel decided to close the property line windows on their property um, and chose to close off the fire escape from their property. But before that, um, and even to this day, the, they've used it to access their roof and things like that. Okay, so it, it, is it clear on which side of the property line it currently is? Is it entirely on the permit holder's property, or is it partially on, on your client's property? Uh, there's no dispute that it spans both properties and is physically connected to both properties. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the permit holders. Good evening, Steve Williams. Uh, on behalf of the permit holders, uh, Rory and Jamie Weinstein, and uh, Jamie's here with me tonight. Um, just uh, so much inf misinformation sent your way in the presentation. Um, there is currently a, a uh, complaint out um, on the uh, 2509. Uh, they were never certified of no violation. That's simply not true. Um, only half of it was inspected. Uh, recently, uh, my clients paid for it, and they refused to have their side. Um, those emails are attached as Exhibit 19. Absolutely refused uh, to have um, anything inspected on their side. Uh, you heard it from council: two permits for two properties. There's no permits for the construction of this structure, um, and um, it's not accessible uh, from the Weinstein's property. Uh, and hasn't been for many years, and it never was legally because the the windows that were covered up before the Weinstein's bought the property um, is a bathroom, and you can't legally assess it through a bathroom. Uh, there's no CFC for this thing as claimed. 
Uh, the CFC, if you read it, it says for urban renewal. It doesn't reference the fire escape at all. Uh, the, the permit was only for the installation of a drop ladder on an existing fire escape. That's our exhibit number one. So, um, you know, don't be fooled uh, as they gloss over the actual facts. Um, the Weinsteins have an absolute right to remove an unpermitted, non-conforming, trespassing structure from the property. It's screwed and bolted in through their siding, source of water intrusion, and it's actually a fire hazard. It's unsightly, it's ugly. Um, they would need, you know, that's what we've established, that it's unpermitted, um, you know, non-conforming, uh, et cetera. They would need some sort of overwhelming evidence uh, to deny a homeowner the right to remove that uh, structure from their property. Look on the, on the flip side. You know, what would they have to establish? Um, you know, they're hoping that this board will grant them some sort of right of control an easement of some kind uh, in the Weinstein's property. Uh, because not only do they want control of uh, the attachment to the building, they want control of the alleyway because they want to drop a drop ladder there. There are dozens of places where they could put the, the fire escape entirely on their property. So if I know the board often has to balance competing rights, um, you know, they haven't established any part of what they would need to establish to have a right to uh, maintain that structure. Um, in this case, the, the permit holders, the Weinsteins, we did everything right. Um, you know, not only on the code, but as neighbors. You know, after the uh, uh, appellants uh, unilaterally removed half of the front gate, and people started coming in between the buildings. I put those, those photos in the, the brief. Weinstein said, that's okay. We'll just build our own gate and our own fence. Uh, and he can keep his side open as they want. Um, we, start, we gave him written notice requesting their assistance. That's exhibit five, eight, nine, 12. I wrote to them for two months saying, you know, four different letters over that time saying, Let's cooperate, uh, courtesy and cooperation, to remove uh, that structure and construct a fence. They rejected everything. So when they talk about a resolution, what's the resolution? Uh, if we give them the Weinstein's property, control over their property? Um, so I was mystified by this case, because I've never seen anything like this in more than three decades of practice, built directly over the property line attached to two buildings. I called up uh, Deputy Director Joe Duffy. I asked him how to handle it. He said, work with the neighbors if you can. We tried that. Uh, and then he said, if that doesn't work, have your architect file a plan. We did that. That's Exhibit 13. Uh, and obtain a permit uh, from, uh, to remove it from your building. And that's the intention just to remove it from the Weinstein's building. Um, they can put their fire escape entirely on their building elsewhere. They could even relocate this particular fire escape elsewhere. Um, but they should not be allowed to just sit back and control the neighboring property. So we reached out months ahead of time, follow the rules and procedures, and obtain the permit correctly. So look at the structure itself. It's unpermitted on both sides of the property line. There's no permit for the construction of, these, of this structure. There's no plans for the, that permit this structure. There's one permit from 1965, and it's the kind of permit that somebody takes out that's trying to bootstrap, that's trying to make something covered up, that's trying to legalize something that's not legal.
Uh, it was to replace a ladder, a $100 permit to replace a ladder in an existing structure. And again, that's our exhibit number one. It clearly says existing structure. So it, it violates the property line, violates the building code. It's, it's not legal anywhere in the United States, any jurisdiction. You can't build over the property line. It's not legal under any building codes past or present. It can't be legalized with new permits. There's nothing they could do to go and legalize this structure. Um, even if the parties had a private agreement, it would still violate the building code and violate the planning code. So, um, you know, it should have been abated a long time ago. Um, the, you know, the, the permit that was taken out not only, uh, you know, is council put that front row center uh, falsely in the brief, it fooled DBI. I filed a notice of, uh, I filed a complaint against this structure back in February. DBI set, it, set it, that complaint aside wrongly by misreading that permit as well. Installing a ladder on an existing fire escape does not legalize it and does not uh, create a legal structure. So um, the code requires its, its removal. The building code requires its removal. Uh, the planning code references to non-corming structures also require uh, that these sort of things end uh, and be uh, code compliant. So in, in, you know, in conclusion, not permitted, no plans, violates the code, can't be legalized, no easement, um, and a very easy solution. Build it on your own property. I mean, that was suggested uh, early on, uh, three, four months ago, you know, before the dispute uh, rose up. So uh, this, to me, should have been a, an easy case in order to uh, eliminate this structure and to issue um, a violation. So I'm happy Thank to answer you. any Thank questions. Thank you. We have questions from President Swig, then Commissioner Lemberg. Redundant to the question I asked before, have you seen any <clears throat> written uh, easement agreement either in a a file somewhere or in the city uh, records? No, sir, that was the first thing I asked. Is there anything on your title? Okay. No easements, nothing like that. Okay, second question. Can you please shut your phone off? Thank you. Um, uh, the, the, the second question <clears throat> is, I lost my train of thought thanks to the phone. This is what happened. Um, I'll go to the third question. The third question is uh, the, the one that's, oh, the second question is this. In, in your brief, uh, you, you stated that there were, and you just said it again, I think you overstated it, there are dozens of places to put a new fire, a fire escape. Can you identify one? They, they, they could do it right where it is. Have you, they would have, just... have you identified, let me make it tighter for you. Have, I, I as, put. As a, excuse me, let me make it Sorry. tighter for you. Um, has, has a professional, which your client has, has engaged, given that this is an issue for them, has a professional looked at the, the appellant's house and identified one alternative uh, to, the, to the, the fire escape that is there now that which would allow uh, a safe path, pass, uh, path of egress? Uh, we don't have access to their house. Okay. But what I did do was put in ex uh, exhibit 15 in the brief is examples of narrow fire escape structures that could easily be erected on the back of their house or on the side of their house to provide a fire escape if they really wanted it. It's not required, by the way, by the, by the code. Thank you. Uh, final question. Here's the, here's the mystifying piece. That thing's been up there for 60 years. Um, it's not exactly a secret, 
and it was attached for 60 years to your client's house. Uh, you, you know, one might ask, you know, why, why now, other than the fact that somebody, somebody obviously buys a house and says, wait a moment, this, this, this dog don't hunt. Um, but for 60 years, this has not been a s secret. For 60 years, this has not been a problem until this point. And, and that's the piece that um, I'm trying to get over in a variety of fashions. And I'll give you a, that very softball question, Mr. <laughs> uh, to, it, to opine it, upon. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, the, the Weinsteins are relatively new owners. Um, they were always told that it was shared uh, by the neighbor, and that's what the neighbor's been saying, even though it can't be accessed from uh, the Weinsteins' home. Um, who knows when it was built there? I don't know that it's been there 60 years. And I don't know that at some point it went was it originally constructed only on their property and then built over the property line later? Who knows? I mean, it's unknown origin. Uh, Lord knows who built it. Lord knows when it was built uh, or how it was built. Uh, so, you know, those, those are uh, questions for the mystery. But, you know, longevity in a uh, uh, code violation does not make it legal. Okay. Thank you very much. Commissioner Lumberg. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, so same question I asked the appellant. Is it correct that the fire escape is currently on both properties? Yes, it okay. bisects the property line. Thank you. Um, okay, so as far as I'm concerned, the question before us is, uh, uh, is of course, whether this permit to your clients was properly issued. And here's what I'm, I'm struggling with a little bit. Um, why, if the... If the fire escape is shared between two properties, why are two permits not required in your view here? The permit would only allow us to remove it from 2507, from the Weinstein property. And then, you know, because they're refusing to cooperate or work with us, we've requested for months, and the, you know, we've hired the Taboni group, sort of the, the gold standard. In fact, opposing counsel said he's the gold star standard for contractors in the city. And, you know, they have decided that they can do it. And we offered to pay for the removal of both sides. Again, they refused to cooperate. So the, the, you know, the idea is that we're going to unhook it from 25, 27, patch up all the holes in the destruction, and lower it slowly to their side for them to do with what they will. What, what good does that do anyone? Well, it, it, it makes them... It forces them to make a choice. They're going to have to put it elsewhere. They can relocate that same fire escape elsewhere. Uh, the fire inspector told us that. Um, they can, uh, you know, take it off completely. Um, you know, so they, they have their choices. Uh, and they shouldn't be able to hold up the neighbor, you know, hold them hostage, essentially, in perpetuity to control their property. And that's the other choice. I, I well, I guess what, what that question really was is what's the benefit to your client for removing half of this fire escape? Yeah, well, they get their property back. Um, they, you know, they get it removed from the side of their property. Uh, there's, as I said, there's been some water intrusion issues uh, where it's attached because it's just randomly attached into the siding. Um, and so, you know, that's uh, just the right thing to do. Okay, and uh, one thing I heard you argue was the fact that it is potentially, uh, we really don't know because it's not in the record, um, but potentially because the fire escape may have been unpermitted to start with back in the 1950s, 
Um, is there, I, what I heard you say is that because it's unpermitted, it would, it, it basically allows uh, either property owner to remove it. What, what authority do you have to say that? Because as far as I know, it's still both sides, uh, if, it, if it affects two properties, you have to have two permits for that. That's the rule. Uh, well, it, first of all, let, let me dispel the concept that there may be permits for it. There are no permits for it and no plans. And we went through the permit histories going back to when these structures, these, both these buildings were built. And I have them right there in the file, and they have them, and DBI has them. There's no permits whatsoever and no approved plans whatsoever for this structure. That's clear. Um, th again, the wine scenes are allowed to remove it from their property. And uh, it can stay attached to 2509 if the Lipsits want to keep it. Uh, then they'll have to make it work somehow on their side of the property line. I mean, that's what's fair. It's a, it's a building code violation without a permit. Well, the, the issue I'm struggling with is it's whether it's a building code violation isn't the question before us tonight. We, we can't make that determination. It's not the question that's being presented. The question being presented is whether this permit is, was issued properly. And if the answer is that a per permit should have been required for both property owners, the permit was not properly issued. And that's what I'm struggling with. And, and I'm, I'm hearing a lot of argument about kind of auxiliary issues, but I'm not really hearing a lot regarding that specific issue, which is actually the one before us. That's, that's the specific issue. It, it, the permit was properly issued to remove it from 2507 Pacific Avenue. But if that essentially makes it so that the appellants can't use it anymore, then that's not really true. Well, it's, it's, their utilization of a structure is not up to the neighbors. They can, as again, they can do with it what they will. Then they can take out their own permits. You know, everyone's sort of on their own uh, for these things, especially a, it's not a required structure. It's not a required means of no, egress. No, I understand that, okay. but I mean, their position so, has been quite clearly that they don't want to remove it. I mean, I've heard them say that. I've seen it in their briefing. Um, I, you know, I don't really think that's worth discussing further. Obviously, they want to keep it. Right. Um, but if they want to keep it and they can't use it because your client unilaterally obtained a permit to remove it in such a fashion that makes it unusable to them, that's really stepping, oops, uh, stepping over the the property line, so to speak, which is kind of the, the main issue here. Well, actually it's not. It's removing it from the Weinstein's property. And that's what the permit, that's the, o the only thing the permit addresses. And then the rest of it will be up to them. I mean, that's the only thing that's fair in this instance. If you're balancing the property owner's rights, I mean, essentially you can't take away the Weinstein's rights, their property rights and say, all right, this is frozen in time. You know, they can hold you hostage and keep this thing forever because they had it once without a permit. I mean, that's the flip side of it. It's hard because, I mean, I, I, as we learned a few weeks ago, we're not allowed to consider prescriptive easements, but, you know, this is <laughs> pretty clearly a, a case of that, and that has, is something that has to be decided in civil court, not here. But, um, and, and we can't consider that. But ultimately, you know, this, I mean, clearly has existed since at least 1964. There is a permit in the record showing that there was a new drop ladder installed on the fire escape in 1964. That was almost 60 years ago. So it's, I, I don't take your argument very well that, you know, it may not have existed that long. No, it clearly has. There's a permit don't know very that it clearly was showing that they installed a new drop ladder in 1964. And we have the original property owner uh, who was living there in 1964 saying the same thing. So I, I, I don't take your 
that portion of your argument very well. Um, I'm not sure I have any more questions, so I'll pass to President Swig. Um, uh, Mr. Williams, I'm, I'm, I have no question for you. My question is directed to the city attorney. Um, uh, any, I think this panel needs your guidance with regard to walking that fine line between our jurisdiction and a civil dispute. Um, so where do you see this issue um, moving into civil dispute territory versus uh, where which might muddy um, our uh, our view of making a decision on the permit which is at hand today can you give us some guidance um, or are you muddy too <laughs> I will do my best um, I certainly think if we get into a matter of a prescriptive easement, that is something that absolutely has to be determined in a civil court. This, this board does not have the ability or authority to make a decision about that. What is before the board is the specific permit at issue. Thank you very much for your and I think we need to hear from DBI to see what their yeah. position yeah. is. And, I, and <laughs> I plan to grill DBI on that subject. Okay, but next up is the planning department. Good evening, President Swig, members of the board. I'm Tina Tam, Deputy Zoning Administrator. 2507 Pacific Avenue is a three-story over a basement single-family dwelling in the RH1 zoning district. Constructed before 1900, the property is a known historic resource. According to the permit application, the scope of the work is to remove an existing non-complying fire escape. The permit was reviewed and approved over the counter by planning staff on March 14, 2023. The appellant is James Lipset, the owner of the property to the immediate west at 2509 Pacific Avenue. The appellant alleges that the fire escape is both permitted and legal, and more importantly, um, the fire escape is um, rightfully um, belongs to him as well, since the fire escape is also attached to his building at 2509. The appellant's preference is to keep the fire escape exactly where it is. I'm going to go ahead and show you a map of the subject property. This shows the property on the south side of Pacific Avenue between Steiner and Piers. Um, below the map is the street view, which you, I think you saw earlier, showing the subject property um, on the left, 2507, and the appellant's property at 2509 on the right. The fire escape is in between these two properties. Here's a close-up picture of the fire escape. It's in between the two buildings in um, what is considered the six-foot wide breezeway. Um, that's between the property. Below is a Sanborn map showing the footprint of the two properties and um, the purple is pretty much the location of the property line. And the highlighted sort of um, 
square, it's the fire escape. So you can see it's straddling on the property line, perhaps three feet on one side and the other three feet on the other. At the time the permit was submitted to the planning staff at the permit center, it was not made clear that the fire escape was attached to two separate buildings on two separate lots that belongs to two separate property owners. As such, the planner wasn't provided with complete information about the fire escape that is attached to the two separate buildings, so never had a chance to inquire about the process for its removal. Um, it's my understanding there are provisions in the building code regarding share features, so I will defer to Building Chief Matt Green to elaborate why the permit was issued in error and why permits should be revoked. With that, I'll go ahead and hand off the rest of the city's presentation over to Mr. Green. I think Commissioner Epler has a question before you depart. And just, just one brief one. What's the date of the Sanborn map that you showed? Um, this is from the 1990s. This okay. is the latest one we have but in the city. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now hear from the Department Building Inspection. Uh, good evening, President Swig, Commissioners. I'm Matthew Green, representing the Department of Building Inspection tonight. The permit before you is to remove an existing non-complying fire escape at 2507 Pacific Avenue. In fact, the fire escape is attached to two structures, 2507 Pacific Avenue and 2509 Pacific Avenue. The fire escape crosses the property line. Uh, DBI does not have a record of when the fire escape was originally constructed. There is a permit, as has been discussed, from 1964 for a new fire escape drop ladder. This permit was issued for 2509 Pacific. We don't, in fact, have permits for when either building was originally constructed. The earliest permit for 2507 Pacific is from 1910 and is to add to the existing kitchen. The earliest permit we have records for is for 2509 Pacific is from 1919 and is to add a garage under the house. Um, I'm not saying there weren't any permits. I'm just saying we don't have any records before that. Um, unfortunately, DBI believes that this permit was not approved and issued properly. Uh, first, Section 106A of the San Francisco Building Code states, no building or structure regulated by this code shall be erected, constructed, enlarged, altered, repaired, moved, improved, removed, converted, or demolished unless a separate permit for each building or structure has first been obtained from the building official. Second, the uh, submitted plans do not accurately reflect the situation. They do not state that the fire escape is attached to both buildings, and they do not present the layout of the building that actually accesses the fire escape. That's 2509 Pacific. Um, it, if these facts were on the plans, our plan checker would have looked at this much differently. Uh, third, I spoke with Lieutenant Kathy Gelbrith of the San Francisco Fire Department this afternoon. She says, and I quote, Unfortunately, we approved the permit at the fire plan review counter that we should not have. This permit for 2507 Pacific Avenue, 2023-0314-3618, was to remove a fire escape located in between two buildings. It was represented to my very new plan reviewer over the counter as an outdated structure that imposed on his property and was not in use. We approved this permit by mistake. Um, I do have the email from uh, Lieutenant Gilbraith if you'd like me to submit that. Uh, the permit holder's brief mentions that this permit was taken out on the advice of senior DBI official Joe Duffy. Uh, Mr. Duffy is on extended medical leave, but I did speak to Mr. Duffy yesterday about this case. Mr. Duffy recalls the conversation, but assured me that he did not and would not advise Mr. Williams to pull a permit for one address. 
Uh, for these reasons, DBI believes that the permit was issued improperly and that the appeal should be granted. Uh, this is an existing non-conforming condition affecting two neighbors that cannot be unilaterally changed by a building permit obtained by only one property owner. I'm available for any questions you may have. Okay, President Swig. Hypothetically, if there was no uh, uh, there there was no fire escape as it is structured today, and uh, and we were hearing this case because. Uh, both parties wanted to put in a fire escape and connect it to each other for all the reasons that the appellant has noted, certainly not the permit holder in this case. Would, uh, would a fire escape um, like this be permitted today? Is it code? Uh, crossing the property line? Crossing a property line? Uh, no, we would not approve that. Okay. Um, in this case, therefore, so you're, you're very clear that it was improperly issued and, um, and that gives us a strong hint as to where we're probably gonna uh, yeah. end, end up tonight. Um, but in, in anticipation uh, of, of potential decisions just for this panel's information. Uh, so one, this thing couldn't have been applied for and new constructed over a property line in uh, 2023. That is correct. Today, today would not be approved. Okay. Um, um, so, uh, so w what happens um, in 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 a so clearly at this so in, clearly in this case as was brought up rightfully so you, you have to have two permits to make this this thing come down Cor correct you could have two permits but they could share the same set of plants yes okay um, where where does this go does this go into a civil matter or is it is it determined by DBI if we run into a situation which clearly is we're running into, which is one, one side says, I want it gone, and the other side says, I don't want it gone, and therefore there's only gonna be one permit filed for, and the other side's gonna say, fine, you can file all you want, you're never gonna get a, a proper permit issued to remove it. So where, where, does, where does this take DBI with a non-compliant illegal, uh, illegal structure? Well, I, I do believe it is a civil matter between two property owners. Okay, um, so it becomes a civil matter. Just, correct. I, I just want to know that so as we, we, we leave this, we, we might leave it very, uh, very simple and clear, and then they would have to fight it out in civil court. Correct? Uh, correct, yes. Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay, Commissioner Lemberg. Is there any legitimacy to Mr. Williams's argument that the uh, the permit holder could remove one half of this and rem and the other half would remain intact in your opinion? Um, I, I don't know if that's feasible, but the building permit as stated is to remove the fire escape, not to detach the fire escape. Thank you. Can you turn your microphone on, please? Uh, if if the current permit holder uh, filed for a permit uh, to adjust the existing fire escape 
and and literally cut it in half, remove it from his side, uh, put up a, um, a restraining barrier so it wouldn't become an automatic safety b barrier. Could could that be done uh, without? Well, so if what, what happens there? If two five oh, I'm just brainstorming here. If two five oh seven were to get a building permit to cut it in half, say yes, and put a restraining system, as you said, the restraining system would have to be on two five oh nine side. So uh, then you right, would need yeah. a permit for that. Yes, and so, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's that's um, fe feasible. So it's a non it's a non workable situation within the DVI and planning system as it stands today, without a civil without it going into a civil matter. Correct. Okay, so it's so it's no unless there's two, two tickets to paradise and and they're both going to go down to, uh, DBI and and file for permits. Then this is this is forever stalemated until it, it's resolved in civil court. And the fire department as well has weighed in on this. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. We will now uh, move on to public comment. Is there any public comment for this item? Is there anyone on Zoom? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any public comments, so we'll move on to rebuttal. Ms. Strazzo, you have three minutes. Great, thank you, commissioners. You had very good questions tonight. I just wanted to go back to uh, Commissioner Swig's question about where else you could put the fire escape. I did consult with my clients. Um, this is a historic resource building, so there's more limitations than normal for where you could put a fire escape. You could not put it on the front because it's a historic resource. You could not put it on the other side because of construction limitations, and you could also not put it on the back. So the only place it potentially could go is on the side, but with the new fence that's going in there, it's not clear if that would even be possible. And I'll defer the rest of my time unless there's other questions. Okay, thank you. We'll now hear from the permit holder. Mr. Williams, you have three minutes. You know, I really feel like we've been sandbagged by the departments. Um, if you look at the plans that we submitted, it clearly shows they're attached to both buildings. Uh, I talked to Inspector Green. He never once came clean with me. Uh, he talked about a continuance while he was having a private meeting with the appellant that I wasn't invited to. Um, you know, I've never been to a private meeting with DBI uh, just prior to a hearing. Um, you know, it couldn't be applied for and constructed in 1964-65. It was never legal, and it can't be legalized now. And the, the permit is issued on 2507 Pacific Avenue. It was never intended to do any work across the property line. Um, you know, they said they would relocate it if the Weinsteins paid for it. And I have a, a half a dozen emails from council saying, you know, we can do this, we can do that. They can move it. It can easily be moved anywhere. And so this board, by revoking the permit, is giving them a de facto easement, is giving them you know, what they haven't gone to court because they can't get it from court, right? This has been pending for more than four months. If they have a prescriptive easement, I've invited them, go to court if you think that you have a prescriptive easement or you have any right to maintain this structure, go to court and establish that right. And they haven't. So now, back door, they want this board to grant that to them. And uh, a decision setting aside this permit will do uh, just that. This will be a de facto easement, a de facto grant of that property right over to uh, the Lipsits. So, 
you know, it's just a, a wrong decision. Take a look at, at, at Exhibit 13. You can clearly see the plans are clear. Nobody said anything about the plans, that they weren't clear. It clearly shows the fire escape attached to both buildings. And, you know, that's the problem I'm having is that we spent five or six hours at DBI to get this permit issued, answered every question, and, you know, the architect was there, I was there, um, you know, we went back and forth, and now to retroactively say, oh, no, we got it all wrong, uh, and, you know, we're going to take away the the Weinstein's, you know, property and grant it to the neighbors, you know, that's not fair. That's not right. And, uh, and it's not a, an accurate reflection of the law. Um, you know, the thing has, there's no proof whatsoever it was ever legal. And it's not legal now, and it, and it can't be legalized. It was, it was a code violation when it was built, and it's a code violation now. You can't retroactively permit, uh, and that's what this is, retroactively permitting an illegal structure. Thank you. We have a couple questions from Commissioner Lemberg and President Swig. Um, Mr. Williams, again, you said that the intent was always to only remove the half on your client's property, but we just heard Inspector Green say that the permit actually very clearly states that the permit was to remove the entire fire escape. It doesn't say that. It does say it that, says though. Remove, remove it's fire escape. Nobody would interpret that as saying remove half. No one, no one at planning or DBI or us on this body are going to say, oh, yes, it only means do uh, remove half of it. The permit only allows work on 2507. Well, that's, that's, that's a clear, limitation. but that's why DBI and planning are both saying that the, that the, uh, that the permit was improperly issued. was because they can't, they're, what they're saying is that they cannot, you cannot do the work on only one half, uh, one half of these properties. That's not correct. You could unhook the, the contractors already who went down, a licensed contractor who went down and got the permit says that he can do it. He was going to remove it from 2507, and the address written on the permit is a limitation on that permit. That's why, you know, they can't work on our side. We can't work on their side. I, so I, Again, I, I, I... I mean, it's a catch-22. I, I feel like I'm... I, I'm being gaslit a little bit. I'm literally well, looking at this, no at this permit. <laughs> Remove exists uh, right in description of all work to be performed under this application. What it says is remove existing non-complying fire escape. That is all it says. And it can't be read to remove anything from 2509 because the address on the permit, which is part of the limitations of the permit, can only be performed on 25 How can you remove the fire escape only from half of it if it's attached to both properties? You, as I've said, the, the contractor has said that he can do it, and he is going to lower it onto their property to do with what they will. He he's not going to cross the property line. He's not going to unhook it from their property. Then they can decide what they want to do with it. So, I mean, I, I don't know why that's such a far-fetched idea. Uh, the, you know, the, one of the top contractors in the city said he can do it. He went down and picked up the permit, and uh, he, he's going to do it. So, you know, that's this projection ahead. Oh, well, you know, you, you have to uh, execute this contract, this uh, permit incorrectly. That's, that, that, that's not fair, and that's not accurate. I mean, if, again, if the permit said unlatch fire escape from 2507 Pacific Avenue, then what you would be saying is true, but that's not what this permit says. In very plain, clear language. 
It says remove the fire escape. From, and 20, if the from appellants, 507. Are you also going to tell me that if the appellants hadn't filed this appeal, that they would not have removed, that your clients would not have removed the entire fire escape? Absolutely. There's no way the Taboni group is going to work over the property line and eat, touch anything on 2509. Okay. No way. Thank you. Commissioner Epler? Um, yeah, I, just to, to um, extend upon uh, my, my fellow commissioners uh, questioning. Um, so if you removed the uh, connection of the fire escape from your side, would it then remain cantilevered off of the connections on the 2509 building? I'm, I'm just you know, it, it might. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, it, it appears to be in many parts. It might be capable of being disassembled and would hang straight out on, mm -hmm. at the property line. I don't know. I've never climbed up there to look at it, but it looks like it could be disassembled. On, and this was the plan, to disassemble it from five, 2507 and, and then let 2509 figure out what they wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they haven't had it inspected ever. You know, you're supposed to inspect it a minimum of every five years. They've never once had it inspected, ever. So... And, uh, which is which is not necessarily at issue in this this, this hearing, um, but so and okay, thank you, President Swig. Um, so, Mr. Williams, you're no stranger to us. You're one of the, the fine lawyers that come and appear in front of us on a regular basis. And, uh, and we're very familiar with your expertise, and I respect that. Um, but even I know that if there's work to be done or work that affects across a property line, then you've got to have two permits. And, I mean, that's just something that we've heard redundantly and redundantly and redundantly. And we heard it again tonight from Mr. Green. He said, there's no problem with taking this, this structure down, uh, except it requires two permits. So that's, uh, that's the standard. That's always the standard that I've heard. So I, I, and I, I think I pled a bit of your case. I didn't mean to, but when I, I said, well, okay, then who, who fixes the you know, who fixes the, the structure that, that might cause it to be dangerous when half of the, uh, the item is, is removed. And that would, of course, be the appellant's um, need to pull a permit uh, to, to do that. So no matter how we cycle around this, it seems that we're going to get into the uh, the two permit world and, and, I, and, I, and what's wrong I'm with that i'm asking you know? <laughs> why well, you you're really good at what you do you've done this a gazillion times you know that when you know when it crosses a property line and it gets into some but we've we've seen it examples of it with foundations we've seen examples of it when um uh, when there are two houses that are uh, are connect not connected but pushing next to each other and one infringes on the other or creates damage uh, the there has to be if there's going to be a repair or going to be a change on the other property line there has to be a, a permit so i don't understand why you don't see this 
And well, so I, I, I'm giving you the opportunity another softball. It's two softball questions in one night, Steve. That's pretty good. What, how, how can you not see this? I, I, what I see is, is the, the board legitimizing, a, you know, saying you need two permits. Structure wasn't built with two permits, wasn't built with any permits. Um, and I, I see, you know, the board projecting ahead and saying, uh, oh, well, this contractor's lying to us or this permit holder's lying to us and they're not going to do what they're saying they're going to do, which is just disassemble it on the 2507 Pacific Avenue but, side because but, that's what they're saying. But this is, my fellow commissioner brought up a really good point. And the and the well, the word disassemble uh, or disconnect or does not appear on this. It, it says remove. Okay, so I think this is the issue. It may be it may be uh, advisable, and I'm not going to make the advisory. It's not my job uh, to uh, to to refile for a permit and put proper words in there that would clarify exactly what you're going to do and then you're in then you're in your in your boundary world you know so that that might be the other that might be the thing the other question that i have for you and we just heard from mr green that uh if this was today and and these two these two property owners were trying to do the same thing. No way, no how, it's illegal, no question. I, I asked that question twice, got the same answer, so I guess it's the right answer from DBI. Uh, and that's correct. If it's I'm an, not arguing with it, that. If it's an illegal structure, um, but it, why, 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 does, why, why does not your client uh, ask for a notice of violation and create a situation where DBI comes and asks you to get both parties to please remove that illegal structure. There's one pending. Okay. Um, and they uh, wrong, and that was the intent from the beginning. They wrongly dismissed uh, a complaint that was filed in February by misreading the permit the same way. And so, you know, maybe the board should continue this matter until the notice of violation is decided uh, because it's pending uh, on the structure, which is, you know, clearly in violation. And then, then we would come back here, you know, with that order and this permit uh, to do the right thing, which is, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's really a catch-22 if you say, oh, we have a structure that needed two permits to be built and those permits don't exist and never did, but now you need two to remove it. I mean, that's a pretty brutal outcome. But it happens to be happens to be the rules of the road in this case, as stated by Mr. Green twice. So um, well. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there and, and we'll have discussion about it in a couple of minutes. Thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Anything further? Tina Tam for the planning department. Um, I'll just go ahead and put up um, the site plan for the, for the permit. Um, I know Mr. William alleges that the removal is just for the fire escape on the subject property at 2507, but when you look at the plans, it clearly shows the fire escape straddling on both sides, and it's actually pointing at 2509. So it, we understood it as the removal of the fire escape as well. Okay, thank you. We'll now hear from the Department of Building Inspection. 
thank you. I'd just like to take exception to some of the comments Mr. Williams made. Um, he's alleged that I was colluding with the appellant here. That is no way in fact. I talked to Mr. Williams on Friday about this case. He uh, advised me that he'd filed a complaint on the website and didn't show up in the complaint tracking system. I worked with him in our uh, management information system to find that complaint. It is now an active complaint. I wouldn't say an NOV is pending. We're going to investigate that complaint. I was, Mrs. Mistrazo um, uh, did come into the office to talk to me on Monday. And I was looking at the case saying, hey, this is kind of confusing. If the um, permit holders uh, agree, well, maybe we'll ask for a continuance. At that time, I called Mr. Williams in full transparency, trying to be, you know, communicating with both sides. At that time, Mr. Williams just started screaming at me, saying there's a private meeting is improper. So I said, okay, never mind, no, no continuance. And I hung up. So I take a, a lot of exception with his comments tonight. Thank you. Couple questions. Um, couple questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, sorry, it's two meetings in a row you get picked on. I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Um, if this permit had been written correctly or written more clearly, I'm not going to use the word correct because it's not for me to judge. Uh, more clearly, and it's and it said disattach instead of remove. What uh, what happens then? I, I don't I don't know. We'd have to go through the we'd have to explain what you're going to do and how it's going to be done. If you done okay, if the plans came in and uh, Sam was correct in her view, it said remove remove for me if I'm going to remove something. It's gone, right? It's very clear. But if it if if it would to have said detach, uh, fire escape from uh, its attachment to the permit holder's building, what what goes on what goes on there? Do you think? Conjecture, please. I would I would not think that would be approved because then you're creating a nuisance by a hanging fire escape on the neighboring property. Okay. Um, the, the concept of a, uh, and, and notice I'm not questioning your, your two, two permit point of view, because you're right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if this, but I'm also uh, looking for advice and resolution so we can, as we try to do here, uh, leave somebody with an opportunity to move in another direction to get to where they need to go. Um, uh, if this is any this this structure you said could not be built today because it would cross a property line, that would would this make it a non-compliant or illegal structure today? If it was built today, uh, no. If no. it is as it is today, yeah. built at least sixty years ago, because obviously the. The ladder had to hang from something in '65, sure. right? So, so if it is a, is an illegal structure today, or would be an illegal structure today, is it is it an illegal structure today as it stands, even though it was built 60 years ago? Well, or is it non-compliant and it just gets to stay there? It, 
in, in perpetuity. Well, it's non-compliant, but if you walk down any street in San Francisco, you're, you're going to see non-compliant situations. Right. right? And, and if somebody files, therefore, if the across-the-street neighbor, forget Mr. Williams, forget the, the appellant, some across-the-street neighbor says, hey, that's, that's an illegal structure, I'm going, to, I'm going to call DBI and say uh, it's an illegal structure, it should be taken down, they file a, they ask for a notice of violation. Um, does does that and it, does that get a notice of violation, or does it get a pass because it's been in place for sixty years? Well, in general, we try to avoid property line disputes. But but if we were to issue a notice of violation, not a property line dispute. It, it it's not. It's an illegal structure which is which is spanning a attached to two buildings which span a property line which you said is illegal. So okay. it's an illegal structure that happens to have a property line involved, coincidentally. Yes, but just looking at the history of the permits, this was looked at by the building department in 1964. Yeah. So somebody approved it then, or, um, not, the, not the installation of the fire escape, but the uh, addition to it. The fire escape was existing. I, I'm not prepared to stay right here now that we would come back and say, you know, 60 years later that it was wrong. If we were to go down the path of writing a notice of violation, we would write it against each property. So then you'd have two notice of violations, and we're right back where we started with. It's a civil matter. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm just, this is good that you're saying this because it kind of gives fodder for both sides to either uh, reach resolutions amicably or go to war. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and, and finally, um, if, if the permit were denied today because it was improperly issued, as you are suggesting and, and asking us to do, I believe, true? Yes. Um, then, um, and uh, the, the current permit holder um, um, felt that there, that the, the uh, with different wordsmithing, the uh, and a and a different plan, uh, they could achieve what their goal is without the use of the word removal, but rather uh, de detach and adjust or or some other wordsmithing. Um, is is how long would it take for you to reissue that permit? And from your point of view at this point, is it? It, is, is that worthwhile, or are we going to end up back here again? Um, if you wait, I'd like to get that code section 106A. It also refers to altering uh, structures. So let me hold okay. that one. Okay, thank you very much. <clears throat> It says, no building or structure regulated by this code shall be erected, constructed, enlarged, altered, repaired, moved, improved, removed, converted, or demolished unless a separate permit for each building or structure has first been obtained by the building official. Okay, so even if it's a detachment, mm -hmm. uh, an augmentation, uh, or uh, once you touch it, you got to get two permits. Correct. All right, that's all. That's, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. That kind of sets the stage, doesn't it? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks. This one. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, this matter submitted. Uh, anybody want to start? Mr. Rappeler? Yeah, I'll start because, you know, I, 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 
think thankfully there were a lot of things in the briefs that were not brought up this evening um, because there's a lot of different issues going on here right now. And to the extent that there's frustration with our process, I think that frustration is because we are a body of limited jurisdiction. And there are issues here that are outside of our jurisdiction. And unfortunately, they are the issues that will ultimately be dispositive on the resolution of the underlying matters at hand. Uh, the matter at hand before us today is the issuance of a permit. And I think for the, you know, with everything that's been said tonight, we will, you know, upon a, a motion duly made, probably find that that permit was incorrectly issued. Would you like to make that motion? Sure. We just suggest we need four votes. So if you poll, if each commissioner here wants to vote to grant the appeal and revoke the permit, I recommend you don't even have to go through that. Uh, we can just continue it. You would need a, we need a motion to continue it to May 31st. Uh, fine. I'll, I'll, um, so that all commissioners can participate in the vote. I'll, I'll make that motion. I, I need some... Uh, remembrance juice here. Uh, do we have to go through seven minutes, seven minutes? No, we don't. Just, uh, the, the I think we have to allow for public <clears throat> comment, but then... Uh, the commissioners will review our hearing tonight. Yes. Uh, we will uh, allow two minutes from both sides to elaborate on whether there have been any substantive changes since the, the motion to... So do you want to give the parties two minutes each at the yeah, next hearing? No, no new brief. Not, okay. No new okay. brief. If there's any uh, significant changes in what has occurred so far, they got two minutes to bring it to our attention. Uh, if, if not, um, we'll go straight to vote with all five commissioners. Okay. And we would or have public vote. comment. So right. do we have a motion to continue this to... May 31st. And Do let's we have enough room on May 31st? We just... Uh, we can make room. Uh, okay. All right, fine. I mean, June 7th would be better, but... Because we just continued that other case. Right. But we if just... that's too far out, I mean, I mean it's, not, it's only one week later. All right. It, this seems that it won't be very long anyway, so given two minutes, two minutes, and, and a vote, so 31st should be fine. And so we're just confirming uh, are the that the parties... Available? Pardon? Are the parties available? Mr. Williams, are you available on the 31st? And Ms. Strazo, just yes or no, please. Yes. It's my wife's birthday, um, probably not available, uh, but then we're going on vacation after that. Um, if it could be early in the calendar, um, then I could probably yeah, make we, it. Yeah, we can, we can do it at the beginning. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it the first item. Yes, okay. So your motion, President Swig? Uh, motion to continue the item to enable all uh, a uh, an adequate amount of uh, commissioners to uh, provide vote, voting and okay comment. to May thirty first so that the absent commissioners can participate in the vote. Yes. Okay. On that motion, Commissioner Lemberg. Right. Aye. Commissioner Epler. Aye. That motion carries uh, three to zero. Thank you, parties. Um, I would just like to make an announcement because I noticed some people are waiting um, in the public comment portion. Item number four, appeal number 23-007, subject property 1468 Van Dyke Avenue. That has been continued to May 31st because I see a few people whose names look familiar. If you're waiting for that item, it's not being heard tonight. It's been continued to May 31st. 
Okay, so moving along to item number six. This is appeal number 23-013, Abinette Techie versus the Zoning Administrator, subject property 1435 26th Avenue. Appealing the issuance on March 27, 2023 to Abinette Techie of a letter of determination, applicability of state law, Board of Supervisors actions, planning department policies, and the planning code to the subject property. This is record number 2023-000425. And we'll hear from the appellant first. This one? Which one is it? Yeah. And the, st- and the standard? Yes, as a reminder, the standard of review is error or abuse of discretion. Can we have the computer, please? Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm uh, uh, representing uh, appellant and uh, on this matter. And uh, computer, please. Oh, sure. It is. Uh, Oh, Isaac uh, Samuel, uh, Isaac Tolila, Samuel Tolila. And uh, the, pretty much everything will follow the brief uh, with uh, a section that uh, addresses the ZA's uh, reply, uh, reply brief. Um, the main issues, as outlined there, are concerning uh, ZA uh, not answering uh, certain uh, city code questions on RH1 controls. and. Uh, city planning's uh, uh, dispute process uh, for SB 35 applications is invalid. And uh, as such, we're directed down a wrongful path and we have a right to to refund on the LODs and appeals. Uh, There were two filed. Um, This is the second one. Okay. Also, uh, appellant believes that uh, the first appeal uh, the appeal number you see at the top uh, uh, was not properly conducted by the board and was not, uh, we didn't get a fair treatment uh, and not properly heard and considered. Uh, and uh, so we don't feel that the result was a, a, a proper due process. Um, for As outlined in the brief, and it's pretty much uh, restated on this slide. Um, and uh, in short, you know, none of our uh, counterpoints or evidence uh, were addressed. Um, ZA was given automatic deference um, in the city attorney, automatic deference without our counterpoints. Um, and uh, and no, no precedent was even considered of the cited LODs and precedent were completely ignored and just, just dittoed the, the city attorney and DA. And we believe that was an unfair process. Uh, so uh, accordingly, the uh, issues um, at, uh, uh, to be decided um, are, uh, you know, goes back to, um, to that first appeal um, that the, the CA uh, is obligated to answer uh, state law questions. Um, and uh, if not, all the cited LODs that had um, ZA doing state law uh, de- de- determinations uh, should be voided, uh, the cited ones. Um, did the did the, the board err in conducting the prior hearing? And if so, 
uh, should be re uh, reconsidered and reversed, reopened? Um, and uh, is the ZA obligated uh, to do an LOD on SB 35 application uh, under the order of uh, Director Hillis, who ordered the process uh, for, for us? Um, and uh, and uh, is, if, and in the, otherwise, is the city uh, SB 35 application process invalid? Um, and uh, did they go uh, and err and go beyond discretion? Um, and, uh, and accordingly, uh, we, we would do a full refund uh, for our LOD fees and uh, appeal fees. Uh, the ZA's reply brief was quite detailed, um, so it, uh, it's a busy slide, um, but we felt compelled to address the different issues. Um, his first issue that he raised uh, was that there were uh, several code questions that were under his purview, um, and as making as, the, as if that's dispositive of uh, us getting a refund uh, on the LODs and appeals. But uh, what he um, has an oversight in understanding is that um, in order to file a state law case on um, a denied uh, eligibility of SB 35, uh, we have to address every potential contested issue um, in, the, in the project application, um, which includes, of course, a lot of city code uh, related matters. So all those must be raised um, to raise a, a proper uh, city uh, state uh, lawsuit. Um, so, of course, there has to be those uh, city code, uh, in addition to the state law, uh, questions in the LODs. Um, um, and, uh, and then uh, he said he gave us an opportunity uh, to withdraw um, the LOD uh, in the LOD number one. Uh, but um, he's uh, misremembering that. That's not what happened. Uh, we have email, email communications as well um, where um, I told him on the phone call that uh, there's uh, plenty of LOD uh, precedent for him doing LODs on state law. And he says, okay, send them to me and I'll consider. Later on, I sent it to him. Uh, he'll said he'll, he'll consider it, he'll see what he can do. Um, and then uh, Director Hillis um, ordered the process so we had every reason to believe that uh, he would end up communicating with Hillis and it would happen. Um, and or um, there would be, we would get this um, approved on appeal that he would have to. Um, so um, so he, I think he mentioned that um, as a, being dispositive of getting a refund because we should have withdraw, withdrew it or something like that. But that's not at all uh, what we understood and expected from uh, the onset. Um, then um, he said that um, the city, and then he goes into um, a lot of um, stating of determinations and opinions about um, the SB 35 process that occurred, and and so and 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 stating their 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 views, um, which he should have done in the LOD. I don't know why he's doing it in the in the brief, um, which is very odd for someone who's not supposed to talk about anything state law. He sure got into it in his brief, um, so it's a bit confusing. But anyways, uh, he's incorrect about just about everything he cited about what occurred, um, and uh, um, for example, um, he. Uh, he says that it. Thirty uh, seconds. Oh, is it closed? You have, you have 30, thirty seconds. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So basically, everything in his brief, um, we have uh, evidence otherwise, uh, including the tribal notification. We have a state code citing otherwise the HCD guidance. We have state code, and, and the city 
ignored every evidence we ever did. They never had any interaction. Um, it was pretty much bad faith process. Um, so it's not as the ZA portrayed in his brief. Um, and, uh, and, and then there are... Well, thank you, that's time. You can rest in rebuttal if you want. Yeah, that, that's fine. The rest is in the brief that you already know. Thank you, sir. We will now hear from the zoning administrator. All right. Good evening, President Swig. Commissioners, Corey Teague, zoning administrator. Um, trying to figure out where to start. A um, little bit of deja vu here, as was referenced, and you may recall back in February, uh, the appellant had requested another letter of determination from the zoning administrator. That one was not property or project specific. It was generic and really to the point of um, asking the zoning administrator to essentially interpret state law. Um, in that determination, I also determined that under Planning Code Section 307, the zoning administrator has the authority and the duty to respond in writing to requests for determinations regarding the planning code, um, which I did in both cases. Um, but that does not extend to uh, being um, required to interpret state law um, and that the appropriate avenue for any uh, disputes regarding the interpretation or implementation of state law ultimately lies in the state court system. Um, to that effect, again, the zoning administrator does not issue interpretations into the code regarding uh, interpretations of state law, does not issue bulletins on state law. Separately, you know, the city and the department acts in a manner it considers to be compliant with state law. And then um, separate from zoning administrator bulletins, the director issues director's bulletins that gives guidance to the public on how the department implements various state laws and also how the department um, uh, procedures the department adopts for other unrelated issues. Um, because this LED request was specific to the property and even though I did not you know, make the determinations that were offered, that were requested regarding state law, I did think it would be helpful that the board at least had some context of what the project was and like what the issue was, which that's why that information was in the brief. Um, that was noted in the brief that we're not making, um, I'm, the zoning administrator is not making any interpretations of state law, but this is essentially what has happened and been the timeline and seems to be kind of the root issue at play just because I assumed that would likely come up and it would be better if you just had that information on the front end. Um, um, it is true in both LOD request scenarios. I spoke with the requester on the phone to clarify some issues. Both times made it clear what my determination was going to be. They had the op gave them the option to withdraw if they wanted to. That was not chosen um, either time, um, which was their right and, and their ability to do that and move forward. Um, I could go into more if you want. I would say that I would concede, as we did in the brief, that staff did inform them last year that an LOD was an option, um, along with also filing a building permit that could then be you know, denied um, if it didn't meet planning code requirements and that could be appealed. Um, I would just note that that, was, that feedback was kind of in the context of significant um, engagement with our department and contacting multiple people from our department at the same time um, and our staff, including the director, spending a significant amount of time trying to assist the appellant and inform them of um, how the department would 
uh, interpret and implement their, uh, their application. So that's why the phone calls prior to both letters being issued, we rectified that, I clarified that on the planning code issues, yes, I will make those determinations, but not on the, on the state law issues. Um, going to the letter itself again, specifically 68 pages, 133 questions. It was substantial and challenging to fully comprehend in all honesty. Um, and I made it a point, um, the appellant called out the specific questions that were in their mind very much related to planning code issues. And those were the questions I made sure to completely address um, in an interpretive manner in the LOD. And again, making the statement in the LOD that the state law questions would not be answered in this request. I think that covers most of the bases. I'm, at, I'm definitely here to answer any questions you may have, but clearly our recommendation is that the board deny the appeal and uphold the letter of determination. Thank you. Thank you. President Swig, then Commissioner Lemberg has a question. Errors and omissions. That is the standard. Uh, <clears throat> errors and omissions that, that allegedly you made in reading your President Swig, error or abuse of discretion? Error, abuse of discretion. Um, I'm trying to find those. Uh, I'm going to ask the appellant in his uh, rebuttal uh, to be uh, either redundant to what he already stated because I didn't get it or because uh, um, I'm trying to find those, those elements that would enable us to find uh, for the appellant. Um, where would you see that the errors, omissions, uh, uh, and error or abuse of discretion or abuse of discretion might have occurred? And uh, where are you going to make us feel comfortable that uh, those did not occur in sure. your LOD? Yeah, I mean, I think my position is that there are no errors um, and there was no abuse of discretion. The central question of the LOD um, is shouldn't the zoning administrator have to make these interpretations? And if not the zoning administrator, then whom? Um, and those questions were answered and answered consistent with a position that was already supported by the Board of Appeals in February, which is ultimately, no, the zoning administrator does not interpret state law. And ultimately, even if the zoning administrator issued um, a determination that was consistent with the department practice, if he disputed that, it's still ultimately the place where that would be settled is in uh, state court. That is the ultimate arbiter of state law. So um, I don't feel that there was any error or abuse of discretion in this LOD. Um, and it was, again, based on the same principles that was upheld, that were upheld by the board in February. As we have um, enjoyed the opportunity, and I'm saying it somewhat sarcastically, of dealing with new state laws and SB 35 in particular, uh, would you say that this board has str struggled with some of the issues that have um, muddied the water in, in, in our local findings? And uh, likewise, has, have you been challenged by SB 35 in trying to sort out 
um, local jurisdiction versus state jurisdiction? Sure. I mean, on, on the first part, I think the board has been similar to a lot of other boards and commissions you know, in the city and across the state whenever their local authority is impacted in a way that, you know, they feel hamstrings them to a bit. I think that's normal for for me you know, and, and all of our staff. You know, anytime there's new state law or amendments to state law, there's always challenges in implementation. We have to figure out how it kind of weaves and works within our local law. Um, and we have a lot of great staff and city attorneys that help us do that work every day. So it's definitely a challenge. There's no, there's no question about it, but we, we do the work. So basically your point of view is I can opine on what city requirements are, what city, uh, requirement, what city requirements are, city guidelines are, city laws are, um, city direction is, um, but state law is a different uh, kettle of fish, and that is outside of uh, your jurisdiction, and therefore uh, not in your purview to upon which to opine. Is that kind of your position, what you're trying to get across to us? Correct, yes. Under Planning Code Section 307, that's where the requirement and obligation for the zoning administrator to respond in writing to requests um, for determinations. It's determinations regarding the interpretation and implementation of the planning code, full stop. I don't do letters of interpretation for the building code or the fire code. Um, it's a similar concept. Or state uh, codes. Or state codes. Okay, thank you. Yes. Uh, Commissioner Lemberg. Thank you, Mr. Teague. I, you alluded to this, uh, but I wanted to ask very specifically, how much time would you, how much planning department staff time would you say was spent on this appeal? Well, this appeal is one part of the larger whole coordinated, or maybe less coordinated, but regarding this project and this topic with the appellant and his agents, um, it's hard for me to know. Um, I know that there's been, I think at least a total of five staff who have all devoted significant time. I would say a big chunk of that time were, at least for these letters of determination, they were paid for. There was a lot of work done by our staff just in an informal consultation role that was far beyond a typical project to try to provide this guidance to, to the appellant. I, it'd be really impossible for me to say kind of a ballpark guess, but it was significant. Thank you. Um, I'll pass on my second question. Thank you, that's all sure. I have. Okay, thank you. We thank will you. now move on to public comment. Is there anyone here for public comment? Anyone on Zoom, please raise your hand. I don't see any public comments, so we will move on to rebuttal. Mr. Tolila, you have three minutes in rebuttal. Yes, thank you. Um, so I appreciate the ZA's uh, feedback there. Um, however, um, I believe he's incorrect on several points, and I'll address uh, those. Um, so uh, one is that uh, he mentions that uh, as far as filing a building permit as another option, uh, we were given two options. We, we took the Z8 uh, path, uh, LOD path, uh, but even the other option, uh, which appears to be not legal under state city code, 
load, lock code. But uh, if you see on this screen, the state, I cite the state codes that say the building permit is not required for an eligibility determination on SB 35. It's not allowed to be required. So that's, that's not allowed either. So we didn't follow that for sure. Um, and as far as um, city codes, um, he er which are errors and abuse, um, he uh, didn't answer um, in LOD 1 this uh, city code question um, that's on the screen. And on LOD 2, this other city code question, uh, which you can ask me later uh, more detail. Excuse me. Um, Julie, can you ask Ms. Tam? Sorry, can you speak into the microphone? Yeah, can you chase down Ms. Tam and tell her we need her for the next item, please? I, I'm sorry, what is your Ms. question? Ms. Tam just left, and I need her for the next item. You need who? Tina, who just walked out the door with her bags. Okay. Can you? Can you, can you Tina Tam? I, I believe Corey Teague is going to be representing the next okay. item. All right. I paused the time. Thank you. Sorry for the interruption. I was just... Okay, so you can ask me more about the, uh, the errors of uh, not answering the city code questions in LOD 102, which I had put up. Um, and then um, tribal, tribal notifications you probably won't be caring too much about. Um, and then the other one about a, uh, where he abused, it's by ignoring... Um, the cited um, precedent of um, he previously, he said he doesn't ever do state code on LED, LODs, but that's not true. I cited three um, examples, and there are more, where he did. And one of them, where he did a detailed LOD on AV um, 1561, uh, that's exhibit B1. Um, so he abused his discretion by doing all these previous um, state law LODs, um, and just on ours, because maybe it hits the holy grail and the sacred cows, not holy grail, but sacred cows, our holy grail maybe, but the sacred cows of the, the city, he then switches to not do state law on ours. Uh, that's an abuse of discretion, uh, clearly. Um, and, uh, and you can see exhibit B1 for a clear example of that. And uh, the ZA always gets advice that are from the city attorney on state law and uh, from Kay Connor. Uh, would advise him, and he's got plenty of staff um, that always have advised him. Um, so he does state law all the time before, and he would do this one too, but for the abuse of discretion of not wanting to. 30 seconds. Okay, thank you. You finished? Okay. Yes. Okay, thank you. We have oh, a question. Oh, that was the 30 seconds. Yeah, you have oh. a 30 second. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can always go on. But, uh, but I, I think, you know, and then, so this all wraps up into... Uh, we just got a very unfair treatment in this process, and all those questions there shouldn't really, you know, probably shouldn't go to a ZA, but that's this, we're, that's this improper city process that put us there. The ZA doesn't know anything about this stuff, you know, so the, the, the city planning should have had Kay Connor um, answering these things as part of the process, you know, charge a fee, whatever. No, they were belligerent and just Thank stopped, you. Talking, now the time stopped is up. answering anything. Okay, thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Lemberg for you, sir. I'm gonna do, ask this, the softest question I can, which is in, the last time you were before us, there was no property attached to your letter, of, uh, to the letter of determination. This time there is, uh, it's a specific address, 1435 26th Avenue. Um, my question, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and state that I think regardless of what you're trying to do, I think you're going about it the wrong way. 
Um, but my question is, what is, are you trying to accomplish with 1435 26th Avenue? Uh, what's stated in the project description? You can read what, it. There is no project description before us. So. Yeah, there is. You'll no, see there's the not. There's a, there's a hundred questions about state law imp implementation. No, there's a PRJ that's cited in the in the in the in the all, you know in the LOD that PRJ that property has a, a project uh, application. Um, that has all the description that's required and all the application was there. So that's the objective, is just to get a permit on that. Uh, what, what, a permit to do what? Sorry? Because it, that was not in the record that was submitted to us. So um, I'm asking, what, what is the permit that you're trying to seek? What are you trying to do with this property? To do uh, ex extensions, expansion of it. Vertical, to, to what end? I mean, to, you bought, it's, it looks like, like it's a single family home. A building, it's to expand a building. That's the end. Okay. Um, there, I mean, I, I, I certainly noted that there's a, a, there was a question about whether is 12 this, bedrooms is, would be allowable. No, that, that's just a general question. See, see, so you're trying to preempt something you're afraid of? What? Well, I'm saying, how, is that, how does that have any relevancy to the matters at hand? And just like your previous questions, why was an address not put in all that, how is that relevant to the determination on whether uh, we were put down a wrong process by city planning to go to the ZA, and these are all questions um, in the project, um, and you know, general ones. And some can be general, some can be specific. Once you're at it, you might throw other questions, but that's not dispositive. Of, of the main thrust. And, and for details on the project, you would read that. It's an expansion. Mr. So Talila, you came here, you, you filed this appeal. You, no one forced you to. You've, no one forced you to file a letter. No, we are forced. Uh, hold we on. have Excuse to. Excuse me, I'm talking. We have to. Excuse me, I'm talking. Thank you. No one forced you to file a letter of determination. No one forced you to file a permit application. And no one forced you to file this appeal. You're coming here telling us, uh, asking us to overturn the zoning administrator's decision based on error, uh, error or abuse of discretion, and you have not presented a single piece of evidence as to why Mr. Teague abused his discretion or erred in his determination. You've stated a bunch of reasons why you disagree with laws and, uh, and what his answers to things are, but you haven't actually stated how he erred or abused his discretion in any way. And the reason I've been so hostile is because you're not you're not making the argument that I think you think you are, and it's it. it frankly, I, 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 I this is I'll I'll stop. Thank you. That's all I have. Right. So uh, the simple answer, if you go back to the video. Thank you. That's all. Yeah. Okay. So I just told you in the last you. few minutes Thank the you. error and abuse, but you ignored it. Thank that you. shows you're closed off to the to the arguments. Okay, sir. Thank you. You can be seated. We'll now hear from the zoning administrator. Thank you again, commissioners. Corey Teague, zoning administrator. Um, I do want to acknowledge the appellant's frustration. I mean, there's something. There's clear frustration there. Um, I think there is frustration with the way the city is interpreting state law, and that's fine to have that frustration. Um, just to respond to some of the questions or some of the issues that were raised in rebuttal, um, the department began conversations with the appellant in 2021. In February of 2022, so this is more than a year ago, that's when the department first informed them that the project 
that they were proposing, which is essentially a two-story single-family home being having a two-story vertical addition and horizontal addition and adding an ADU, was not eligible for SB 35. So this, you know, there's there, there was not a long process there, and that was, you know, not a big process. There's been a lot of process since then to get to the second appeal here. Um, you know, I, the appellant sent me an email with very specific questions that they wanted answered out of the 130 some that were related to the planning code. That's what I answered in the in the letter. Um, yes, I work with Kate Connor on trying to figure out state law and how we implement it. Yes, the city attorney gives us advice as because we're their clients on how to meet state law. That's pretty normal. Um, and the other LODs that were referenced, this was the same argument that was made in the last appeal. It's understandably confusing, but those are situations where the city had adopted local code to implement the state law. And so that's not the case. We don't have local code implement, you know, we don't have a local SB 35 chapter of the planning code. So I can understand why that's nuanced and maybe a little looks contradictory, but I assure you it's not. Um, and I think that addresses all the issues that were raised, and, but I'm available for any other questions you may have. President Swig. Uh, uh, thank you for your letter of determination, and, um, and, and, and I look for errors and abuse of, and uh, deviation, of all, of all the things that you're accused of, and I couldn't find it. But what I want to... I want to follow up on something that my fellow commissioner talked about. Um, the 1435 26th Avenue. The first hearing that we had on this item, 1435 26th Avenue was not mentioned. Um, we had no idea how to place a context around um, anything that was discussed. It was theoretical and it was your response to direct questions posed by the appellant. Um, and we made a decision, and obviously the appellant was not happy with that decision. But tonight surfaces something that maybe we can help the appellant with, uh, pending our continu continuation that uh, uh, we think that you did not error or abuse, et cetera. Um, would you please advise the appellant um, a, a path where um, he could get his project done and then if he did not uh, agree uh, with the issues related to what you're going to allow him to do, what the, what the a recommended direction and recommended path might be so that we can help him along and s solve the issues related to his project at 1435 26th Avenue, which we have no plans for, we don't have any specific dialogue about, and we find ourselves in a tremendous void with pretty much no context. So could you kind of help us? Uh, could you please frame it for him and frame it for us so it can be sure so he can hear it and to be clear i mean it's been framed for for him i'm happy to frame it for you all um, but we i'd like to get it in in public sure so we're we're clear this board is clear that this that this appellant has been treated fairly 
this appellant has had the benefit of expertise and direction sure. provided by by the planning department getting his project done. So I think the one thing that's helpful to understand is that SB 35, which is what he's attempting to be eligible for, is m primarily a process. I think it's a streamlining act, right? So no CEQA, um, no discretion, et cetera. Um, you still have to meet the planning code. Um, so there's, as he's been advised, he could file a building permit for the project like any other project in the city that's proposing to expand a single family home and add an ADU and that will go through the process. And whether or not exactly what he wants, you know, what he proposes is what gets approved based on code requirements and other processes, that's, that's part of the project review process. Um, on this specific issue of SB 35 eligibility, we've been very clear that he can, that we are interpreting the, the department, the city's interpreting SB 35, and if there's a disagreement, a dispute over state law, then that would be settled in the state courts. And and otherwise, and I'm and I'm trying to get the path clear. Otherwise, what we would be listening to tonight, if he didn't like the result of your findings related to a permit, and he appealed your non-issuance of a permit or appealed the permit uh, asking for an adjustment, in this case, an ADU, um, then what we would have heard tonight is a discussion on the project, the plans, the, the requested uh, addition of an ADU. Your opinion, obviously his opinion would be that the ADU is something you should have, and your opinion, you know, let me let me do a little ESP on this one. Your opinion would be that the, uh, according to state law, uh, SB 35, the the ADU is uh, not a possibility. No, I'm done. And that's, and there's that's definitely we, a path to do an ADU that, on site. Huh? There, there's definitely I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, right. SB 35 is less of a content issue; it's more of a process issue. Okay. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like the substance of the project. I'm not going to, you know, I've not reviewed it in detail. You know, it's, it's not actually a project that we've looked at yet, but from right. an understanding, as like you said, there has been a PRJ filed. It is an expansion of a single family home and adding an ADU. In principle, that is something that can be permitted. In what form exactly, you know, that there's a process to go through there to, when we review those projects for co-compliance and design review, et cetera. So I don't know what the final form of an approved project would be, but this isn't necessarily a situation where the only manner in which this property could add an ADU is through SB 35, which we're saying you're not eligible for. In the brief, we talk about how we offered another state law option as well. If, if he was trying to seek a, um, you know, a process that was in some way deemed better than what he would be able to get through the local process, and that was SB 9, and he indicated he was uninterested in using that process. But there is just a standard city permit review process that would allow, at least in some form or fashion, an ADU to be added on the site. Uh, so at this point, uh, it would seem that the recommendation that might come from you is to uh, please file for a specific permit with plans, uh, show us what you want to do, we'll review that permit, offer comment, and, and allow that permit or not. If not, it's based on what 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 is compliant and what is not compliant? Correct. Correct. That was 
he was given two options. One was to file the building permit and would go through that process. And then at the time, um, you know, last year, the LOD was also offered as an option, um, which was relevant for the code questions. It wasn't as relevant for the, for the state law questions. So that was the, uh, you know, the original option provided and that's still an option today. That could still happen and be back before you as a permit appeal someday in the future. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's definitely an option. Okay, so that clarity is there. Thank you very much for sure. that explanation and, uh, and that context for this board. Thank you. Thank you. So, commissioners, this matter is submitted. Commissioners? Commissioner Lemberg? Um, I'm not hiding my frustration very well today. Um, I think that the appellants have wasted an extraordinary amount of planning department time, and I also believe that they've uh, kind of wasted our time as well, um, and I would vote to deny the appeal um, just outright. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. This is not the first time we've seen this um, or issues like this, um, and each time it happens, it gets a little bit more troublesome to me. Uh, where we have people trying to make new law through the use of improper channels. Um, and uh, this is not the correct channel. Um, I think Mr. Teague just laid out a very clear plan as to how a pro this project could proceed. Um, and uh, if the project sponsors are serious about it, I hope they heed Mr. Teague's advice. Uh, but uh, yeah, on that, I, I would move to deny the appeal on the issue uh, on the basis that the letter of determination that the zoning administrator did not err or abuse his discretion. Commissioner Lumberg, any other thought? Okay, I'll I'll support that motion when it's filed, and I would just um, I'll be a, a a little less I'll, I'll temper my my opinion a little bit. I would say that the appellant in this case uh, miscalculated the direction in which he might have taken to seek a better result. And, uh, and hopefully uh, the advice that Mr. Teague gave to the appellant tonight will uh, further streamline the activity so that he can have a more constructive result to his request for his renovation or expansion. So would you please call the question? Yes, we so we have a motion from Commissioner Lemberg to deny the appeal and uphold the letter of determination on the basis that the zoning administrator did not err or abuse his discretion. On that motion, Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries three to zero and the appeal is denied. We are now moving on to item number seven. This is appeal number 23-016, 2700 Sloat Holdings LLC versus the Zoning Administrator, appealing the issuance on March 28, 2023 of the Zoning Administrator's interpretation of Planning Code Sections 102 and 270 regarding measurement of bulk and plan dimensions. Unless specified elsewhere in the Planning Code, the maximum plan dimensions per specific bulk limits apply within the exterior walls of each individual building or structure, such that a single building may not have multiple vertical elements, example, towers, etc., that collectively exceed the maximum permitted plan dimensions. However, separate buildings on the same lot will have separate plan dimensions for the purpose of measuring bulk limits. So welcome, the appellants. Uh, you have seven minutes. 
Hey, thank you. Um, before we begin, I would like to request continuance on the basis of the absences tonight. We would Say like, again, please. I would like to request continuance on the basis of the absence tonight. We would like to be able to present this to a full panel. I have discussed this with the zoning administrator. I believe he's amenable to it. Uh, given appellant's um, availability and the zoning administrator's availability, we would be requesting continuance to June 21st. Okay, typically under the rules, the rules state that uh, a matter may be continued. Um, typically we hear these types of cases and if the votes of the missing commissioners would make a difference to the outcome, then it would be continued. Of course, you can also continue it. We'd have to hear both sides though. Uh, uh, would the planning commission, uh, would the ZA suffer any uh, duress or um, or a significant issue if uh, any other significant issue if this item were postponed uh, to a later date to allow for a, a, a greater panel no okay um, I think that I, I would recommend accommodating the request of the appellant um, because there's no harm no foul in this and if we have a, a a date which has an open space to handle a case of this uh, magnitude then I think we can accommodate that request I'll let my other commissioners uh, render their opinion as well if if they need be if not we'll, we'll make that we'll take that motion what do you think? I was looking forward to this one tonight. Um, as, as weren't we all. Um, I mean, obviously, if the, the parties have agreed to it, if they had done so before the beginning of this meeting, I think uh, it would have been automatic anyway. Um, so I don't see a great reason to not comply with the party's requests, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I've got. I, I, I think Commissioner Lemberg stated the case uh, very eloquently there. Okay, so uh, we, 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 I know we have public comment, but is there any public uh, Do we have a motion on the table first, and then we can call Yeah, would you, um, the, the motion is to continue this item at the request, or at the request of the appellant with the, um, with the agreement by the ZA uh, to June 21st. Uh, so that all commissioners can participate. a full panel of commissioners to consider the arguments. Okay, is there any public comment on that motion? Anyone on Zoom? Okay, I don't see any public comments. So we have a motion to continue this item for the reasons stated by President Swig to June 21st. On that motion, Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler. Aye. So that motion carries three to zero. And did we'll we, see. Did we have any, was there any public comment? No. No, okay. So thank you everyone. And you're Melinda, is that correct? Okay, I just haven't met you, so I didn't hear your name. Okay, well, nice to see you, and we'll see you on June 21st. <laughs> thank you. So we're, all, we're always entertained. 
President Swig, this concludes the hearing then. That's a wonderful thing. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for attending. And I wish my fellow commissioners uh, good health and a swift return. Thank okay. you. Thank you.